Hello and welcome to Insights for Manufacturing. I'm your host, Jeff Beecham, and throughout the series, we'll be looking at some of the challenges and opportunities facing UK manufacturing in 2022. In our fortnightly episodes, I'm hosting a range of guests from service businesses and support organisations, providing subject matter expertise and guidance on a diverse range of topics affecting UK manufacturing. Today, we're discussing how UK manufacturing is supported through the work conducted by the cross-party think tank, Policy Connect. Delighted to welcome my special guest, Florian Fidignon Edo, Head of Industry, Technology and Innovation at Policy Connect. Welcome, Florian, and how are you today? Hi, Jeff. Thanks for having me on. Looking forward to our conversation today. Absolutely. It's uh, it's going to be an interesting topic. And as I said before we came on air, this is not a an area of my expertise by any stretch of the imagination. So I'm going to uh, have my learning cap on as well today. So before we get into the, you know, the main part of the discussion, would you like to, to tell me a bit about yourself and, and what your role is at, at Policy Connect to begin with? Yes, of course. Um, so I'm the head of industry technology and innovation at Policy Connect. And as you've mentioned, we're a cross-party think tank. Um, and our long-term vision is around better public policy, better informed public policy. Um, and so I oversee one of the departments across our five main policy areas. Um, industry technology and innovation specifically looks at manufacturing, data analytics and design and innovation policy which I think are the cooler topics around policy. Um, and my background's in manufacturing, so I studied as a manufacturing engineer, um, worked a little bit in manufacturing before pivoting into policy, and mainly did that because I could see how policy decisions and politics could affect how businesses operate um, for the better and worse. And that actually when policy decisions that are well-informed are made, they make it easier for businesses to do what we need to do. So over the past, we've focused on sort of productivity and raising the profile of manufacturing in the UK. And now we're talking more about net zero and sustainability. And we'll get into some more of those things today. Um, but yeah, for me, for me, policy is around making sure that we're facilitating what industries need to achieve. Absolutely. Well, thanks for sharing that. And I, I dare say we probably need more people like you coming out of uh, engineering or manufacturing into this sort of career path uh to make sure that we've got people that uh can actually you know talk talk the talk um and you know and, and and add some real value based on some some previous experience so really really key um so can you give a a, a brief overview of what policy connect does and and why sure. it's important for policy connect to, to actually feed into into government policy Yes, of course. Um, so we run a number of all party parliamentary groups, which are essentially specialist groups where parliamentarians um, and people within that particular policy space can come together to discuss challenges and opportunities around the areas that they've got expertise or interest in. Mm. Um, and these all party parliamentary groups have been running for quite a number of years we've got a couple under our belt um, in industry technology and innovation we have specifically the all-party parliamentary manufacturing group that's yep. been around for sort of 20 plus years um and co-chaired by um, barry shearman and mark palsey currently in the past we've also had jack dromey and um, chris white previous mps who have had an interest in manufacturing and wanted to support what we do um and so alongside them we pull together an events program and research program um, where we host roundtables, usually in Parliament over the past couple of years, it's been on Zoom. Um, and the aim of those in 
events is to bring together diversity of thought and try to build consensus around some of the key issues for manufacturing. Um, so we've talked about trade and Brexit, talked about automation and digitalization. We've covered net zero and the future of the energy intensive industries. Um, we've covered a whole host of topics because we really want to help policymakers become better informed and understand how manufacturing can add value to the UK, UK economy, um, and also how it can be a strategic priority for government going forward, especially with sort of all the sort of societal change that we're expecting to see in the next couple of years. Um, we also publish reports and briefings, and that's a way to have written our recommendations and research around a particular area. So recently, the all-party parliamentary manufacturing group um, have published a couple of reports, one on sustainable manufacturing post-COVID-19, yeah. um, more recently on how environmental and innovation policy can be aligned, so how we deliver net zero through digitization. Um, and then we've also looked at specifically, well, the immediate issues we're having around labour market um, in the manufacturing sector, and how do we ensure that we have a fit-for-purpose workforce now, but also long-term as, as demand changes. Um, and so I think all of that is important because, as I said at the beginning, policy can really affect how you operate as a business, whether it's around capital allowances and the funding that you get, whether it's around how you are able to um, hire new people and have an incoming pipeline of talent into your organisation, whether it's around regulation and how your products are accredited and traded across borders. The policy decisions that are made can have a serious impact, and I think I saw that quite often when I was working in the sector. Um, and so that's why I think our work is pretty important. I think it, it, it's important to have that diversity of thought as well. So we try to bring together a wide range of subsectors across manufacturing, as well as academics, small and medium enterprises, as well as the larger manufacturers and OEMs. Okay, well, thanks for that. And, I, you know, there's a lot of topics in, in with that. And, uh, you know, when you, when you sort of start thinking about the current skill shortage that we've got, and then also, you know, the the youngsters coming out of school at the moment and the kids that are yet to go to school, you know, there are jobs and technologies that haven't even been invented yet, you know. So it, it's, you know, I, I mean, I left school, crikey, over over 30-odd years ago, and, and there's been so much change in that, in that space of time. But it mm. just seems like over the last five to ten years there's been just a huge step change in yeah. in technology you know we've got artificial intelligence we've got machine learning robots and automation they've been around for a while for, for a few decades but they have got so complex and they can do a lot more things um yeah technology is just moving at such a pace um but then we still need that that line of thought in advance of what new technologies might be um yeah. so that the infrastructure there in terms of people or um you know uh processes and, and how companies are structured so they'll be able to cope with the, the demands of the future so it really Absolutely. is a, a minefield isn't it crikey I'd, I'd love to be a fly on the wall in in some of these um in some of these round tables that'd be really exciting no absolutely so, i mean I, I find it fascinating um especially when working with young people so I still do sort of STEM ambassadorship and working with organizations that want to increase representation in engineering and technology. 
yeah. that we're prepping this sort of future generation to have skills for technologies that we don't even know exist yet. Um, yeah. And that's a really interesting area to sit in for sure. So what, so from, a, from a UK manufacturing perspective, what are the main policy areas currently being researched and reviewed? I know you mentioned, uh, obviously, uh, you know, net zero, you know, energy is a, a huge topic at the moment. But outside of the, the net zero and sustainability thing, um, what else is, are you currently working on in terms of research and, and, um, and review for the future? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, first and foremost is is the future workforce, future manufacturing workforce. Um, so our manufacturing commission, which is chaired by Lord Billamoria, are carrying out an inquiry this year. Um, and some of the key objectives of that is for us to better understand well what will the future skills demand be, mm. and how can we make that make sure that the training and education landscape is aligned to what those industry demands up to what those industry demands will be. Um, so that will be a really interesting piece of work we're trying to bring together academics, people within the sector, and um, also the training and education sector as well, yeah. to have a really frank conversation around well, what's working and what isn't, and how is policy helping or hindering this process and progress. Um, and that should be really interesting because there's all sorts of elements there around apprenticeships, the development of T-levels, upskilling, how you ensure that businesses can have just-in-time training and modular training in a way that matches their demand at the time um, and a lot of it is around becoming more agile um, and being able to shift your, your learning and development as quickly as you as you can and, you've, and we have, we've kind of seen that recently um, that businesses have had to change what they do quite quickly COVID-19 showed us that the ventilator challenge showed us that yep. and actually um, if you've got the right people who are keen to learn and you can give them the knowledge they can deliver so much for the UK, not just within the sector, but beyond. Um, and I think with the, the COVID-19 piece, it's, it really exposed the need to build a resilient manufacturing sector. And I think resilience can be interpreted in a load of different ways. Obviously, net zero and sustainability is sort of long-term resilience. Um, but we've also talked a little bit around, well, trade and supply chains. Are we going to be restoring production back to the UK? If so, what type of production do we have the space and capacity to make that work? Um, and you'll hear really interesting conversations, I think, going forwards around hydrogen, carbon capture and storage, alternative energy sources, um, but also around electric vehicle charging infrastructure and yeah. battery, battery manufacturing facilities. Are we able to do that in the UK? Um, so trade and supply chains are a really interesting aspect that I think we'll be delving into in a bit more depth. Um, especially around the future of supply chains, because I think there, there are sectors that are seeing a shift. So automotive, of course, are moving more towards like electric vehicles, but then you've got the same sort of aviation aerospace are thinking about composites materials and the supply chains they'll need to set up for that. Um, food and drink manufacturers and fast moving consumer goods have got to start thinking about circular economy and becoming more resource efficient and thinking about where they put their waste um, and how they use their resources. Um, so all of that ties into each other and I think it's quite difficult for policymakers really because they're, they're such intricate topics mm. by subsector so imagine trying to coordinate that all up in, into one place um, so Bayes have a challenge and they've got to, to work cross-departmentally as well yeah. um, and I think the sort of third element around um, so obviously so we've said skills, sustainability, notwithstanding supply chains. And I think the final one is really around um, the fact that new technologies can enable 
so much change, but we need to deliver that in the right way. Um, and we've talked a lot about Industry 4.0. I think still there, there's a bit of a misunderstanding around well, what does that actually mean? And for policymakers, when they're putting fund, making decisions about funding for um, new technologies and creating innovation strategies, it, are they are they funding industry 4.0 are they funding digitalization um yeah. and if so what are those technologies going to deliver i think making that really clear is a really useful way for us to practically think about the next steps um for the sector because i i've always said that it's i've seen the coolest technology deployment um in the manufacturing sector on the factory floor that's where you see cool tech coming out regularly yeah. and often um and they need the support to be able to do that in a way that is sustainable financially viable, especially since it, you can just see that we're going to be in constant turmoil now for the next couple of years. Yeah, absolutely. So there's an awful lot going on, an awful lot that's, uh, you know, going to be discussed. And um, I suppose you've got to, you know, when you're looking at feeding into policy, you, you've almost got to do that. It's sort of like a, a risk analysis, isn't it? Well, it's what if we do this? What, what are the impacts going to be if we go down this road? And mm. Crikey, uh, so many topics, and like you say, they are quite complex across sort of subsectors. Yeah. So, what, what's the size of the the team at, at Policy Connect then? Because it sounds like an awful huge body of work to, to undertake across all these topics. How how do you get all that done? I mean, um, so as an organisation, there's twenty six of us. Um, and I work with two other colleagues in the industry technology and innovation team. Um, but I also, so we have the internal policy connecting, but a lot of the work that we do is actually working with our wider stakeholder network. And we yeah. have 200 plus members who are feeding into our work at any, at any one time across the whole organisation. I think we've also understood that cross-sector collaboration is really important. So I'll talk to manufacturers, but I'll also talk to energy companies from our sustainability team. And I'll talk mm. to colleges um, from our education and skills team because they are, yes, separate sectors, but they're not working in silos. We all have the same ambitions. Um, but yes, definitely the need for having a wide stake, stakeholder network is so important and our, our members are so important. We're very grateful to them for their support and the input and the expertise that they share quite freely um, because they understand that the policy is really key. Yeah. But it's, it's for, for the common good, isn't it? You know, all of this work. So the, the more people that are, you know, providing insights and, and background information, it, it all helps ultimately. So, um, okay. So many, many UK manufacturing companies, particularly SMEs are, are frustrated and have been bewildered by the government's decision to scrap the industrial strategy. Um, different people have got different thoughts on this. What what impact, in your opinion, has this had on UK manufacturing businesses? So the industrial strategy, when I think I think when it was pulled together, um, and we did quite a bit of work feeding into it um, a couple of years ago. My predecessor worked on that quite a bit. Um, for us, it was an opportunity to showcase the impact and the value add that manufacturing can provide. Mm. Um, and so the Industrial Strategy Challenge Fund was an opportunity for money to go into areas of, um, of manufacturing that needed development and that needed investment. Um, and then obviously we had things like Made Smarter, which is still running and still providing support services to businesses. Um, so it, it's, its impact was around government having a really set and defined agenda as to what they want the future of UK industry to look like. Um, 
and committing to funding and providing support to, to various streams of work. I think now um, with it being scrapped, it's been replaced hopefully by alternative papers and alternative perspectives. And I think that's what happens when you have different personalities taking the helm of, of various government agencies and obviously at the very top as well. Um, the, for us, the impact is that we still want to know what the government's position is on industry and what they think the future of industry should look like. I think it's quite encouraging to see that actually across a number of its papers, the innovation strategy, the decarbonisation strategy, which was then the net zero strategy, those have consistently talked about the importance of industry and manufacturing throughout the papers. So I don't think that manufacturing has been ignored since industrial strategy has been scrapped, but I think it, um, what we want is to continue to see that being championed. Um, and it's that's happening across the various strategic priorities that have been identified. And I think um, actually what, what we want to continue to see is that good work happening. So made smarter to do what it needs to do for the other sub advisory and support services to do what it needs to do. I think around leveling up um, and the leveling up white paper, we've obviously identified how manufacturing in particular as a sector can help to create regional economic development. Yeah. Um, and so I, I would, I would, I would think that, yes, there's a slightly more uncertainty around government's position, but you can kind of see across a number of efforts that industry is still a focus and there's still much that needs to be done. Yeah, and thank you for, for sharing your thoughts on that. I, I know from, from speaking to a lot of a lot of SMEs so over the last few months, you know, I, I think it's predominantly the, the, the SME businesses that are feeling that they haven't got a, a voice and a lot of the policy that, that's made is you know, made up from, you know, a lot of the larger companies and OEMs that have got regular, you know, contact mm. with, with government and, and policymakers. As you know, I've been supporting the the campaign and, and, a, and a petition um, that was launched by Andrea Wilson to to, to champion for a, a minister for manufacturing, you know, to, to get to get SMEs to have that sort of direct voice. I think a lot of them still feel a little bit shortchanged and unheard. Um, but I think, it, you know, everybody, you know, government, SMEs, the support organisations, the association, trade bodies, I think everybody, all of us need to try and aim for some unity. And I know it's difficult, you know, particularly when you get politics involved. Yeah, it must be tough trying to run a government. I wouldn't, wouldn't want to try and do that job myself. But, you know, when you've got, it's almost like you've got two sides. You've got the government making the rules and then you've got the, the businesses um, who, who are contributing to, to GDP and they've got you know a whole raft of issues that they they are that they're not feeling heard on um you know you are going to get that that scenario where you know not everybody is quite in alignment or they've got you know conflicting views but more importantly con conflicting priorities i think is is yeah. one of the key uh challenges and this is from an outsider looking in but um you know it, it's never it's never easy but i think if there is regular communication and you know, a willingness from all parties to to try and, you know, move forward with the the, the good of the the country and the good of UK manufacturing as as the overall or the you know the underpinning reason or, or ethos. I think you know, hopefully, we better get to a good place. So it'll be interesting to see how the campaign you know continues to build traction and and what happens with the the petition. So yeah, in in terms of uh, other organisations, uh, committees, trade bodies. Um, you mentioned you, you work with other businesses feeding information in, into uh, Policy Connect. Who else do you work with to, to sort of facilitate the required level of, of research in, into key policy areas? 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, internally, we're a small team. So I think for us working with committees and trade bodies and other conveners are, is really important because they're able to give us the voice of many. Um, and so Make UK is one of our, our key partners. We work with them quite um, regularly. Yeah. We also work with the Manufacturing Technologies Association, Gambica, um, the Confederation of Paper Industries. So there are a number of um, trade bodies and associations who feed into our work. More yeah. recently, the Energy Intensive User Groups, who is um, essentially a, a group of energy intensive trade associations all together under under one umbrella they will have worked with us on a series of workarounds for their transition to net zero and what does that look like and actually that um decarbonization for them doesn't have to mean deindustrialization and actually that they're going to be a key infrastructure for us as we go forward um with uh, Gambica, MTA and the and the other tra trade associations it's really important for us and made in Britain sorry um, it's really important for us that they are able to say, well, this is what we're hearing from our members who are often majority SMEs. And I think yeah. you're right in terms of we need to hear from SMEs. They're just as important um, and, and they run really critical business operations that, that have an impact on supply chains. And so they should have a say in the policy decisions that are being made. And then in terms of the the sort of way way in which we work, we want to hear from those members. And so I'm often inviting them to, to share their comments and to provide evidence and give case studies. Because yeah. um, I think that's really effective where you can start to see, well, what are the conditions that lead to best practice and how can we share that with others? So I think that is a really key way in which they feed into our policy areas, especially around, for example, our submission to the International Trade Select Committee on mm. UK-EU trading cooperation agreements. So the, the essentially Brexit agreement that, that the press talked about. Yep. We were able to really give a really good perspective on, well, this is what the challenges are for manufacturing. And these are what the challenges are for SME manufacturers, those who operate across both the UK, UK and EU, what they've had to experience around logistics, around paperwork, around uncertainty with visas and, and sort of workforce. Yeah. Um, and these are their expectations going forward um, for how that agreement needs to evolve. I think that's important. So what, what, what else can, can UK manufacturing businesses do themselves to ensure that they're getting the right support from, from government policy? It's a good question. I think um, one of the ways I've seen it done really effectively is working with the advisory services and support services that are out there for businesses. Um, and I think they themselves are keen to get out and, and work with industry. So Innovate UK, for example, yep. um, the Knowledge Exchange, uh, sorry, Knowledge Transfer Network, um, Made Smarter. There are so many that want to help and want to provide that support and I think also being a member of those trade bodies and associations is a way to feed in your voice and again there are pockets of funding available through those support services we often talk about them in our recommendations because we think they're sort of like the first line um, in which businesses can access support and funding that comes from government yeah. um, and yes they're not perfect I think we've always talked about sort of they could be less bureaucratic they could be more specific it could be easier to, to understand wh where you go to for, for what business problems you have but they are um, a key way in which businesses can get involved and I think as you said the sort of campaigns and petitions that are always often present in manufacturing and in the sector are a great way for us to stay on the pulse of well what is it that people 
really need. And I think being yeah. vocal about that is, is super useful. Brilliant. So, Florian, you, you co-authored a, a report in October uh, last year uh, supporting UK manufacturing skills in a post-COVID-19 world. Uh, wow, huge topic. Um, you looked at the immediate challenges around workforce resourcing for manufacturing yes. and, uh, you know, around the pandemic, sought to begin conversations around policy interventions that were going to support the sector. So five months on, or there and thereabouts, where are we in terms of, of what's been done based on your findings? And um, what are the next steps? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so we we tried to compress this topic into, into four pages, which was uh, good fun. Uh, but yeah. we, we came out with three key recommendations, really. Um, and the first one was around to deliver the priorities that the business secretary has stated around enterprise net zero and innovation. It's really important that we have the right employer education partnerships mm. um, so that industry is feeding into the training and education sector, as I mentioned before. Um, and so for us, we, we want to see more of that collaboration and we're starting to see that in areas like Cheshire and Warrington with Work Manufacturing Group in the West Midlands. Yep. Um, Blueprint 100 is another example of the Design and Technology Association who work on sort of CPD for schools, working with industry to make sure that design and technology education is providing the skills that those businesses will need. Um, and I think that's being recognised particularly around the levelling up white paper and kind of local skills improvement plans and when we go forward. Um, the second recommendation was around funding and having a regional, regional approach to skills improvement policy. Again, local skills improvement plans is a really good way for us to do that. Our education yeah. and skills team have been working on that in a bit more depth, not just on manufacturing, but across various sectors. Um, but we think that giving a bit more autonomy over funding allocation is a really good way for local authorities and, and local bodies to say, well, we need more skills in this particular area for this subsector, because these are our particular industrial demands and needs. Yeah. Um, and of course, people talk about the apprenticeship levy and kind of that becoming more long term. We've made that recommendation in the past and we will continue to do so, because I think, again, it's around giving people the, the confidence that long term they can have, they will have the necessary support to provide that training to yeah. young people. And so it's good to see some some of the missions and objectives from the levelling up paper starting to turn its attention towards sort of local pockets of funding. So and, and, and the third the third recommendation was really quite broad and it was more around creating a diverse sector that actively draws on all talents and actually the equality objectives that they's have other departments should have but also there should be follow-on strategies to deliver those targets I think there's been recognition that actually as soon as you start to engage with a diverse number of businesses you learn a lot more you there, there is more value being added yeah. um, and so I was really pleased to see that Innovate UK had published their equality diversity inclusion strategy and they had focused on well we need to engage with business leaders from different backgrounds and provide yeah. them with greater funding um, so it's small, small pockets of impact, but I think pulling that consensus together and actually echoing what other people are saying is helping us to paint the picture of, well, these are the challenges for, for manufacturing to, to, to resource themselves right this yeah. minute. This is what we can do to, to, to help with those short term challenges. Um, and our manufacturing commission, which I mentioned, will start to think about, well, long term towards 2050, how does that evolve? 
Wow. So an, an awful lot of stuff in the in the melting pot at the moment. Some some really big initiatives and, and targets to meet over the medium and longer term, but it, it's all there to be done. So I've just got one final question for you. Uh, it's been a f- fantastic discussion this afternoon. 2022, what, what else does, does Policy Connect have on its agenda for, for UK manufacturing this year? Do you have any any details of any particular events or uh, any exciting news? What, what, what would our manufacturing audience be interested to hear from you at this point? Of course. Um, so the Manufacturing Commission will be continuing its programme of work over the next couple of months. We've got four evidence sessions booked in. Um, we'll also be launching a call for evidence and survey in which we want manufacturers and practitioners to feed in and, and give us some answers to some of those tough questions um, and share their insight and perspectives on, on what they've experienced with resourcing, workforce um, and retraining. And when's that launch? Um, so that'll be launching at the end of this month um, and all of that, all of the details will be able to find on our website, um, Policy Connect. Um, We'll also be doing individual interviews. So I think people who are really keen to feed in their expertise should definitely reach out. I'd be, I'd love to speak to people who are in the sector. I do miss yeah. being on the floor sometimes, so it's good to <laughs> remind myself of that. Yeah. Um, so the Manufacturing Commission will be working specifically on the skills agenda, and then the all-party parliamentary manufacturing group will be focusing more on, um, I guess, industrial policy. So. Again, supply chains and trade is really interesting. There's a lot of work that the International Trade Select Committee is doing that we'd like to feed into questions around green, green steel, questions around trade and environmental policy, how do they align, mm. carbon border adjustments, what does that mean for us going forward? Um, we're also looking a lot more at circular economy, resource efficiency and industrial symbiosis, which all sound like buzzwords, but I think it's really about how do we use our resources better? Yep. Um, I think we, we definitely want to be informing and parliamentarians and government on kind of how how that works they've got some really great initiatives out there already um so we'll be talking about that in a bit more depth that event will be on the 26th of april um and i'll share the contact details with you jeff on that one Brilliant. um and then we'll also be looking at the energy intensive industries again i think it's become even more important to talk about it in a way that's quite frank and open given current current circumstances and current affairs um, what will our future energy supply look like and what will the most carbon intensive industries need to do to transform so that they become more sustainable because um, we will always need steel we'll need steel to create yeah. those sustainable infrastructures so those are the type of industries that we want to be talking about and the new technologies and cool stuff that they have going on um, and the investment that it's going to require so it's a pretty packed packed year but <laughs> But very interesting. Yeah, it sounds like it. And actually, um, earlier on today, I uh, I interviewed Stephen Morley, the the president of the uh, Confederation of British Metal Forming and Energy Intensive Sectors and Businesses were, was uh, one of the key points that that he pointed out. You know, one of the one of the huge challenges right now. You know, um, mm. so uh, it, it's going to be really pivotal. You know, for to get these businesses the right sort of support moving forward so um thank you thank you for sharing that um so that pretty much wraps up today's episodes i hope the audience has enjoyed our discussion thanks again to to florian for for coming along today to talk um thank you for listening look out for the next episode of insights for manufacturing and see you next time bye-bye